Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Two Fleet Tackle Podcast. I'm your host, Aris Matakos, back again for another week of speaking about the beautiful game, the the, the world game. What other what other phrases are there to describe football? The best sport on earth. Maybe you can say a lot like that. But yes, I hope everyone is well. We are welcome back for another week. It's the eleventh of December, two thirty one at the time of recording. Um so yeah, we're heading into the new year. Um we're heading into the new year, heading into twenty twenty four, and I think the start of the new year would be two whole calendar years from when I started doing this. So that's near on a hundred weeks of me sitting in front of a camera and chatting the most rubbish about football, <laughs> um, which is pretty insane to think about. But we're not there yet, so let's not let's not sit back and reflect just yet. Let's let's only move forward. I hope everyone is well as always. I hope you enjoyed. Hope you all enjoyed um, the weekend of sport. Uh, hope all your sporting teams won, of course, unless you're an Everton supporter, and if so, get fucked. Um, we'll be speaking about that. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, nice chill Monday afternoon where we could get to speak about the football. I hope. I hope that um, I hope this hour, maybe not hour, forty-five minutes can provide a distraction, happiness, or you can get angry at my terrible takes because a lot of pe- I've had a lot of feedback about some of my takes in recent weeks, um, specifically about a certain Argentinian winger and the goal that he scored that uh, for Manchester United. So um, it's all in good fun, of course. It's all in good fun. But yes, like I said, I hope everyone is well. Um, before we kick things off, I implore you all to subscribe to the Two Foot Attacker podcast on YouTube. Um, and make sure you like it. Notification bell so don't miss out on any episodes on any clips. Uh, Two Foot Attacker podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as all the audio platforms: Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. So even if you do watch on YouTube, head on over to audio to all the audio platforms and just just play it while you're like I don't know having a shower. Just put it on mute. Just have it on your laptop while you have a shower or something. Um, just get the get the plays up because it does mean it does mean the world to me. So yes, hope everyone is well. Um, we are getting into the thick of the Australian summer, and despite this, it, it was like seventeen degrees in Melbourne the other day. So um, they obviously didn't get the hint. The the, the weather gods obviously didn't get the hint, but it's gonna be very hot very soon. So I, I don't know how I'm gonna deal. Maybe I'm gonna have to have a fan on in this room and um i don't know if it's going to be picked up on the mic but i don't know i guess i just have to wait and see but yes i'm digressing of course what do we have in store to actually before before this i want to touch on this top that i'm wearing so for for the audio listeners you won't be aware but for the visual viewers you can see i'm wearing a kind of mock socceroos top it's a orange or gold green and gold i guess i guess i should say um top from football town which is a very very high quality football apparel website and that's a lot of where a lot of my garments come from so if 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 if, if i'm wearing something that looks like a football kit that isn't a real football kit isn't like an actual proper football kit it's from football town because i just love that website so much um if you're watching play sponsor um i'll promote the shit out of you yeah i love it um essentially i bought this socceroos top or this australian football kit i should say uh, I think it was half, halfway through the Matildas campaign um, earlier this year, so about June, August time, and yeah, about June, August time, and it came to it came to my house. It was yeah, fit perfectly, like it was terrific. And you might be aware that this is the first time I'm wearing this top, and that's because I've been putting off taking it out of the box and taking it out of the wrapper for about four months. I've just looked at it every single time I've, I've been meaning to wear it. I'd be like, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And the other day I made a stand. I was like, it's coming out of the box, coming out of the wrapper, and I'm hanging it up. And I hang and I hung it up, and now it's, I'm wearing it for the first debut episode. Realistically, I probably should have worn this 
when I spoke about the Matildas or when I speak about the Socceroos. But it is what it is. But it's a very, very nice top. It's got a nice kangaroo on it. Nice and gold. Nice and with a nice V-neck collar. Very good. I'm digressing. What do we have in store today? That's just a little bit of my fucking... A little bit of my monologue. So, yes. What do we have in store today? Got a lot to speak about. Um, both when it comes to European football and when it comes to Australian football. I want to speak about my team a little bit. Not in specifically my team, but just a player that plays for my team. Speak about United. Um, speak about Liverpool. Speak about Girona, because they're doing some madness. Um, and then we'll speak about um, some Australian football as well. So, yeah. A lot to cover. But let's kick things off. And let's speak on... I don't want to speak on Chelsea, per se, um, because... I will drive myself mentally ill, um, and uh, I just can't do it. I just simply cannot speak about my football club anymore. But just touching on them briefly, um, we we lost our last two games, both against United and against Everton. Um, I watched the game against Everton. It was just shit, I think is the best way to describe it. Just from top to bottom, inside and out, just horrendous. But... Not only was the result very poor, the um, substitute of our captain, our star boy, Rhys James, on the 27th minute is um, even worse. Now, I should probably get his injury record up, and I, 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 will, I will search it. I'm on transfer market here. But there is something, there is something about Rhys James that is just... I just don't know. I just... There is this thing, and it's got to do with his injuries. Of course it does, right? But I love him. I I love him so much. I think he is a world, world, world class footballer. And I spoke about him a little bit when I compared him with Trent. Um, I, I spoke about him. I spoke about him a little bit, like I said, when I when I compared him with Trent, um, and like obviously the other English right backs. And I obviously are very, very high on him. Right, I'm very kind of. Where's where is the injuries tab on? Um, Where's the injuries tab on transfer market? Here it is. Found it. Okay. Yeah. So I'm very high on him, right? I'm very high. I think he's a world-class talent. I think going forward, he's one of the best right backs in the world, one of the best full backs in the world going forward. Defensively as well, he's more than capable of holding his own. So I, I rate him highly. I rate him highly. And he was one of the players that I thought, I thought didn't get a fair chance under Frank Lampard in the, his first run. So obviously, when Charles got the transfer ban and Lampard came in, it was... Abraham, it was Mount, it was Tamori. These were the guys that were really getting a look in. Rhys James did, and then was faded out, and then was brought back in and was faded out. And then he officially got his proper start, probably under Tuchel, playing as our right wing back. And he was, without question, world class. Like at the start of Tuchel's last year, so at the start of at the start of last season. Yeah, fuck, that was last season, that's insane. At the start of last season, where Chelsea are beating Juventus 4-0 at Stamford Bridge, it's insane, right? It's insane. Like, Rhys James is world-class footballer, and he's banging them in from, from on, out like, just on the box and whacking a bottom corner. And he was the, the centerpiece of what was an electrifying Chelsea team that started started last season so well. Last season? No, the year before. Started the year before so well, I should say. But he was... So the year before last, year, He was so good. And is so good, but this blight on him is his injury record. And as the saying goes, the best ability is availability. And when we look at his injury history, he obviously came off with another hamstring issue in the game against Everton. And we look at his injury injury history. These are the injuries that he's had 
since he's been a proper member of the Chelsea team. He had an ankle injury. In, so in 2020, 2021, he had an ankle injury and missed four games. And then he had a hamstring strain, in which he missed five games. That's nine games of the season he missed. In 21, 22, he had a hamstring injury, which put him out for 11 days, for 11 games. A fitness issue, which put him out for two. A muscle injury, which put him out for five. A ha- another hamstring injury, which put him out for two. At the start of the last season, he had a knee injury, which put him out for nine. He had another knee injury, which put him out for seven. He had a hamstring injury, which put him out for a game. He was ill, which put him out for a game. And then at the, and then the, and then he, at the end of last season, he had a hamstring injury, which put him out for seven games. At the start of this season, he comes back, plays a game, gets another hamstring injury, and he misses nine games. Comes back on the weekend and gets another injury. So, like, I, I just don't... Like, it's so frustrating. And, and he's... I don't want to say he's falling into a trap of. I don't want to say he's falling into a trap of him being like a uh, Jack Wilshire type, right? Because I think, I think he's. I was gonna say I think he's not, but I mean, is there any proof into proving that he isn't? Like world class footballer that just cannot stay fit, and maybe there's a difference with Reese than with other players because when Reese James plays, he is. He's not just good, like he's the best player at Chelsea, hands down, when he's fit, and he's obviously the captain, and he's so unbelievably influential off that right-hand side, playing as this wing-back, as, as this like right-back, advanced right-back, right playing up as a wing-back, can even float into midfield as well at times. He's just so influential, and he's so good, so you kind of have to look at him and appreciate his talents, and appreciate his ability, and sit back and think, okay, he's world-class, he's a world-class talent, but... Can you compare him to someone like Kyle Walker, who potentially isn't as good of a player, isn't as influential of a player? Kyle Walker's still excellent, by the way. But Kyle Walker can stay fit for 30-plus games a season and can play like for 30-plus games in the league a season and can play like 40 games a year, 43 games a year, 45 games a year. Whereas Rhys James... When was the last time Rhys James... Like, we saw Rhys James hasn't, hasn't had a completely injury-free season since 2020. And even then, it's because he wasn't really playing. So as soon as he started to play a lot more, as soon as he started to have the, I wouldn't say burden of responsibility because I don't think it's a burden, but as soon as he's had the responsibility of playing, of being this key player for Chelsea, his body just hasn't been up to standard, which is such a shame because he's my favourite player at Chelsea and I think he's the best player that we've got and fully fit, he's the best, one of the best fullbacks in the world. And he's a generational talent when he's fully fit. Like if he didn't have if he didn't have his injury problems, and if he had three, four years, obviously four years is obviously a little bit, a little bit wishful thinking, of course. But if he had three years where he was playing really consistent football, playing like thirty three games in the league a season, and was playing at a, at a high level, he would be one of the, he would be probably the best fullback in the world. But because he's just showed glimpses, and because he hasn't put it all together over a long and serious, consistent period of time. He just hasn't. You can't. You can't call him that. You can't call him that. Which is a shame because I think he's world class. Like I said, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you speak on Reese. Like I don't know. I don't know how you can analyze him. Do you sit back and th- do you sit back and speak about him like he like Reese James is a world class footballer. Reese James is a world class footballer and can and has shown time and time again that going forward he's one of the best in the world. Defensively he can more than a hold his own and he's so influential in this Chelsea team. He's the captain, he's the best player. So his talents are undeniable. But his lack of consistent game time through, due to injury has kind of mitigated 
his status as one of the best fullbacks in the world because despite his ability, despite his talents, he doesn't do it. He, do, he does it for three games and then misses 12. He does it for five games and then misses nine. You can't do that and claim to be the best player in a position or one of the best players in the league or whatever. But we've seen that at fully fit he can be. So that's where the frustration lies. It's like he isn't... Like, people don't speak about him as one of the best fullbacks in the world, not because he isn't good. It's because of his injury record, which at the end of the day, it's not his fault by any means because he doesn't want to be injured. So, like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just one of those things which I was thinking about, obviously. Um, It's just one of those things which I was thinking about, obviously, in the fallout of the game, I guess, Everton, where he came off. And I was like, fuck, again? Again? Like... Does it get to the point where Chelsea just say, fuck this and cut our losses? I don't know. I don't know. Because because at what point does it harm the squad? At what point does Reese James being at, in the squad and being an important and a crucial member of the team, at what point does that end up becoming a burden instead of a... instead of a kind of... Yeah, at what point does it become a burden instead of a, a, an asset? That's that's the word I was looking for. At what point does Reese James become a burden more than an asset? Because he's got an ungodly amounts of talent and he's got really good leadership abilities. But if he's not fit and he doesn't play and people are still looking at him like, we'll be good once Reese James comes back. And then he comes back and I'm like, oh my God, we're really good. And then he gets injured for three months. It's like, fucking hell. So... I don't know. I don't think we should. I don't want Chelsea to sell Reese James, but if Chelsea do sell Reese James, I would not be surprised. And if anything, I would look at it as a new opportunity rather than an opportunity lost, if that makes sense. Because, yes, he's really good. Yes, he's the best player we've got. But if he doesn't play, he's going to slowly become a burden more than a asset. And that hurts because I think he's unbelievable. But I think that's just the reality of the situation, in my opinion. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see whether or not, when he comes back, if he does come back, whether or not he can perform at the same level, how long he's going to be out for, because I don't know if it was the same hamstring, if it was the same leg, but the fact that it's soft tissue injuries as well. Like, it's not like he's gone out with, like, contact injuries, which is just bad luck. It's soft tissues, which you're just predisposed to it, I guess. Just one of those very unfortunate things. But yeah, enough about race change because I'm going to start crying in a second. Um, I'm going to start crying in a second and, and have a meltdown. Um, let's speak on United. Let's move on and let's speak on United. So United beat Chelsea in the midweek. That's great. Good on them. Congratulations. Whoop-de-fucking-do, right? However, you also went on to lose 3-0 to Bournemouth at home. Now, I don't want to speak about United like in a kind of looking at them to sense, right? I want to speak about them as like, look at how bad they were, or look at how good they were, if that makes sense. But I want to look at the upcoming games for Manchester United. So they versus Bayern Munich at home in the Champions League midweek in a game in which they have to win to be to have a sniff at qualification for the next round, assuming Copen, uh, Copenhagen, yeah, Copenhagen and Galatasaray draw. If they draw and United win, they're through. If either one of Galatasaray or Copenhagen win, they aren't through. So that's that's great on that in in that regard, right? However, 
on the weekend, they versus Liverpool at home, or away from home. Now, we obviously all, all know what happened last season when that, when that fixture happened. It was an embarrassing 7-0 defeat for Manchester United. It was just horrendous, right? Horrendous. That was, funny enough, the last game that they actually played. Now, the question I ask, and I yes, I have stolen this off a couple of different platforms, and I have, uh, I'm not stolen this, but I have seen this question being posed at, on a couple of different platforms, and I want to I wanna explore it as well. What scoreline does the what scoreline has to happen on the weekend for Eric Ten Hag to be sacked? That's that's the question I want to know. What scoreline on what scoreline on the weekend has to happen for Eric Ten Hag to be sacked? Now, you like assuming assuming Liverpool should win and they should. However, by the fact that people are talking about this game and the way they're talking about it, I would not be surprised if United win the game 2-0 or 3-2 or whatever. But regardless, I think if you, if if Liverpool win 3-0, I think that's fine. I just think that's gap in quality. It is what it is. You can't like that's not Ten Hag's fault. That's just Liverpool being a lot better than United at this moment. 4-0, you're getting into dodgy areas. 5 6 7 we're into areas where it's like he's probably gone. I think anywhere above eight, any scoreline above eight nil, actually is good for Ten Hag, because it gets to the point where it's like it's not his fault. Like like no, you, Eric Ten Hag is not a bad enough manager to set his team up to lose seven nil or eight nil. Right, that can't happen. So. If that result does happen like it did last season, it's not his fault because there gets to a point where tactical preparation and managerial instructions cease to become important or cease to matter or have any relevance when it's clear that the players don't care and the players just aren't trying. That that that's the kind of avenue I'm looking at it from. If it's if Liverpool fucking win eight nine nil, it's not his fault. Like, it, it can't be his fault because he's not that bad. There is no way on earth he's that bad, right? If, like, I would be that bad if I stepped into the, into the United job and we got bad at 9-0. Yeah, it's okay because he's that bad, if that makes sense. But Ten Hag is not that bad. So, I think it, there comes to a point where United are in a position right now where, like, they're in a position right now where if they win... It's great, awesome, terrific if they win. But they've proven that they can win a game quite convincingly and then the next game completely bottle it and choke. And in the same vein, they can lose a couple of games in a row and you're thinking, all right, Ten Hag's going to go, they're going to sack sack some of the board, they're going to start completely fresh, and then all of a sudden they pull a win out of the bag, like like they beat fucking Chelsea 2-1, or they they beat Brentford, stuff like this, right? So there's a lot of... Not... Not um, conflict issues, I should say. But I, I, I think this game on the weekend is going to speak a lot about... Is going to speak volumes about the players more than it does Ten Hag. Because if the players decide to rock up and decide to show up and show a bit of bottle, then it's like, okay... Fair enough. You, you, you've done the bare minimum, right? And if even if they do show up and they do lose 2-0, look, you lose 2-0 to Liverpool at Anfield, that's not like that. Any team in the world can lose 2-0 to Liverpool at Anfield, right? That's not, not a big issue. 
if the players come out and just completely down tools and, and act like they don't care and just don't try, don't put in that extra 10%, just a loitering around the pitch doing fuck all, then it speaks more on them than it does Ten Hag. I don't think Ten Hag can... I don't think Ten Hag can set up United in a way that makes them lose 8-9-0. So if that does happen, it's the player's fault, if that makes sense. But if they do lose like 5-0, I think it gets to the point where it's like, okay, that is kind of your fault. I don't know. It's one of those weird footballing things. Um, it's kind of these weird footballing things. At the end of the day, I genuinely think United have a chance of getting something out of this game because football football's not linear, right? Football is not linear, especially in games where it's United-Liverpool or, or United-City or Arsenal-Tottenham or whatever. When it's these derbies, when it's these rivalries, football is not linear, right? How many times have we seen... Um, like, I don't know, how many times have we seen a team be top of the league dominating, they versus their rival and they get a draw or they lose to their rival, right? Because there's something in that game, there is something, there's an extra bit of spice. And when you when a team is motivated, these guys aren't shit footballers. When you play for Manchester United, you're not a shit footballer, right? So you obviously have a little bit in you. So when you do when you are when you do give a shit, essentially, you can you can perform. So I think there's an equal there's an equal pass chance that United win this game than they do lose from a kind of pure mathematical, not mathematical, but from like a vibe perspective, if I wake up on, on like the game's at 3.30, so I probably won't watch it live, but um, if I wake up on Monday morning and I say United won, Liverpool nil, I will be like, yeah, fair enough. But in the same vein, if I wake up Monday morning and say Liverpool 7, United nil, I'd be like, yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, I don't know, really weird, really weird. But that's just the way that I'm looking at this game. I think, I think... If it's, I think, the higher, once it gets beyond, so should the result get beyond 6-0, I think the higher it goes up, the less it looks bad on Ten Hag and the more it looks bad on the players. Because like I said, there is a level and there is a point where all tactical preparation and all managerial instructions cease to become important when the players simply do not give a shit. And Ten Hag is not a bad enough manager to set up his United team to lose 7-0. So if that does happen, it's 100% on the players because they don't care. So I don't think you can sack Ten Hag for that. But if if Liverpool beat United 5-0 and it's a tactical destruction and, and Liverpool play them off the park, then I think you can look at Ten Hag because I think that's to the point where where the players probably did try hard enough, but the tactics let them down, if that makes sense. It's a weird concept, and football's weird, but that's just how I think it works. The higher the scoreline, the better it looks on Ten Hag, if that makes sense. Once it gets past a certain point, of course. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a repeat of what last year, of, of last year and what happened there, because that was, that was one of those games where it was like, it's not Ten Hag's fault, it's the players being shit. That's the problem. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a repeat of last year, to be honest. But yeah. There's, there is that. Um, there is that. Yeah, that's. I just want to speak on that because it's, it's going to be an interesting. Um, it's going to be an interesting talking point for sure. Let's move on from United. And let's actually speak on. Let's actually speak on on Liverpool briefly because I I watched that. Um, I watched the Liverpool versus Palace game. At a pub, uh, at a pub, at the, at, a, at the sports bar, at the casino. I was going to say I was at a pub, I, I wasn't. Um, at the sports bar, at the casino, um, at, at Crown, which was 
good, good uh, weird atmosphere. Uh, for those for those who live in Melbourne, obviously you would have been to, you would have been to Crown before, I assume. Um, I didn't realize how many um, interesting individuals um, attend to that that venue. Put it that way. Um, but regardless, watch it there. Great atmosphere. It was really really fun. Re- really fun atmosphere to be to be a part of. People care a lot. Hey, people care a lot. Like I care about football. I care about football a lot, right? I care about my team. I care about sport. I want it to, I want the sport to be the best sport it can be. I want my team to be the best teams they can be. But some people care a lot, like a lot, like a maybe maybe it's different to me because my team suck at the moment. Um, Victor, right? But but um, Chelsea aren't good. So yeah, maybe it's that. But yeah, people care a lot. Anyways, Liverpool won two two one. They beat Palace. This is like the it's like their twelfth, the twelfth point they've won after being behind this season or something like that. Um, they they win a lot of points after being after going behind in games. Like they were, were they behind against Fulham? Yeah, they were behind against Fulham and they, they came back and won. They were behind against Fulham, they came back and won. But they they were behind against they're behind against City, came back and got a point. They're behind against Luton, came back and got a point. Um, they were were they behind against Brighton? I think they were behind against Brighton. Yeah, they were behind against Brighton. They came back and got a point. So Liverpool are slowly starting to show this like mentality monsters kind of moniker that they once had, and they are really showing that they don't really give up. And I said this preseason, I think th- I think I had Liverpool winning the league in my preseason predictions, but I at least acknowledge the fact that Liverpool are in as good a position as they possibly can be to win the league, because not only are City due for a slip up, City are due to drop their levels ever so slightly. Arsenal, I feel like, are just one more year a little bit too inexperienced to fully go on with it. They've had a big squad turnover, so that obviously is going to play a part. I think Newcastle aren't quite there yet. Villa aren't quite there yet. Brighton, neither. United and Chelsea are a rabble. So I think this is Liverpool's big time to kind of grab that brass ring after all the other competitors have kind of dropped their level a little bit. I think their rejuvenation of that midfield has been astronomical. McAllister, Sabolzali, Grandler Birch, Endo, it's been really, really good, like really good. And I think that is a big part of the transition of the Klopp team because traditionally you think of midfields that Klopp has had and you think of Fabinho, Henderson, Wijnaldum, these industrious players, whereas Sabozalai and, and Grandler Birch and Endo and McAllister are advanced. I like to get on the ball. I like to pass. I like to break lines. I like to carry the ball forward. So it's a completely transform. It's a complete transformation in the way that Liverpool are playing. But they still play with this high tempo, high energy system that relies a lot on direct football. And I think it suits the players that they've got. I think they're primed. I think they really are primed to go very, very deep in the league. And I, th- I can see them going all the way, all the way. And it would not. I would not be surprised if they win it. I would not be surprised if they win it. And in actual fact, if I had to put money on it right now, I would say Liverpool, as things stand. Are the favourites for the title, in my personal opinion. Um, yeah, that's just that's just what I that's just what I think of, of Liverpool um, at the moment. They just are really good. They showed it on the weekend, being behind one nil, off a dodgy penalty. Yeah, they yeah you know yes, Palace went down to ten men, but they were they scored straight away off the corner or off the set piece, um, and and they scored obviously in the last minute. Harvey Elliott with a very 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 well taken finish. So. He's, he's he's a star boy as well, Harvey Elliott. I think he's really good. So yeah, I think they'll beat. I think they'll win. They'll beat United quite comfortably. Um, I think there's a chance they beat United quite comfortably. I should say, and then they've got Arsenal, Burnley, and Newcastle. So 
Pretty tough three games. Um, and then they got Bournemouth and then they got Chelsea on the 1st of Feb. So yeah, that's their next six games in the league. Obviously, there's two um, cup games splattered in between, or there's actually three uh, cup competition games splattered in between them. But um, yeah, they've got three home games in a row. That's a bit, that's a bit lucky. Fuck me. I guess one of them is an AFL Cup game, in fairness. But regardless. Um, yeah, one of those things. One of those things for Liverpool. Um Oh yeah, I really like their team. I, I really, I really do like their team. I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's really good. Unfortunately, as a Chelsea supporter, I'm meant to hate them, but my brother's a Liverpool supporter, so I, I kind of unfortunately have a little bit of a soft spot for them. But yeah, I think I, I think they're quite good. Um, let's let's are we are we finishing up with the with the Premier League wrap? I thought I was going to speak about Liverpool for a little bit more for a little bit longer actually, um, but. No, I guess that's. I guess. I guess I spoke about them for for ample time, ample time, relatively quick. But I think I, I needed to speak about what I, I wanted. I, I got across what I wanted to get across about how much I, I enjoy the way that they play football. Um, anything else? Any other interesting tidbits that happens across the Premier League? What about midweek? Everton. Everton are good, bro. Everton are good, man. I, I was so wrong. I was so wrong. I was so. There is. There is. Countless times on this podcast this season, I've sat here and gone, Everton, you know what? Nah, not good enough. Everton, not good enough. Sean Dyche out of his depth. The team's too good to be to play, to be, to play a Sean Dyche level of football. Not good enough, etc. And then they've won fucking, was it, eight of their last nine games? They've they've won one, two. They've, they've lost two out of their last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Wait, yeah. They've lost two out of their last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They've lost two out of their last nine games, and they've won six of them and drawn one. It's, it's pretty fucking good, man. <laughs> it's pretty good. And they beat, like, not bad teams. They beat Palace, they beat Newcastle, they beat Chelsea, um, they beat West Ham, and they've got Burnley as well on the weekend, in, in the coming weekend. So, I don't know, man. <laughs> They're actually good. You know, without the point deduction, they'd be above Chelsea. Without the points deduction, without the points deduction, Everton would be. Everton would be above. They'd be in tenth. Everton would be in tenth if it wasn't for their points deduction. That is insane. They've won more games than Fulham, Brentford, Chelsea, Wolves, Palace. That's fucked. That's actually insane. They've won the same amount of games as Brighton and West Ham. They've won the same amount of games as Brighton and West Ham. They have a, they have a zero goal difference. <laughs> They're actually good. They're actually good. That's that's really funny. That's really funny. Oh my god. Um, fuck. There you go. Yeah, evident. Evident are good, aren't they? Evident are good. Um, Arsenal ninety fourth minute winner. Ninety uh, seventh minute winner against Luton. They're in a little bit of a sticky situation. I don't think they're as good as what um, a lot of people think they are. Just quietly. Um, I really like Arteta, but I don't know. They're scraping results. They scraped it against Wolves. Um. Just scrape it against Wolves, but they weren't overly convincing. They weren't overly convincing against Brentford. Um, they weren't overly overly convincing against Luton, and obviously they lost to um they lost to Pat they lost to Villa. So, um, yeah, there you go, Arsenal. But I, I'm digressing. I want to quickly move to Spain briefly, and speak on Girona, because they they beat Barca four two. They beat Barcelona 4-2 away from home. They're top of the league. They're three points clear. They've lost one game all year. They've got the the second best goal difference. 
they've scored thirty eight goals and say the twenty. I got I've got no idea. I've actually I've like I was gonna I am gonna speak about them, but I've got no idea. They've completely taken me by surprise. I did not think this was gonna happen in the slightest. They've got the likes of Daily Blind playing centre back. They've got fucking Stuani coming off the bench. Isn't he like fifty years old? He's thirty seven years old. He scored six goals in the league this season and he's thirty seven years old. Um they've got Porto who's you know, I've actually heard of he's he's meant to be like not bad. Um didn't he yeah, he's meant to be, like, okay. Um, a little bit on the older side now. But, like, both of them came off the bench. They've got Savio, who's, like, a who's like a young Brazilian. Who's he on loan from? Troyes, that's it. Um, yeah, Troyes. Um, he was at PSV. Yeah, he's obviously really good. He's got nine goal, con- nine, nine goal contributions in, in, in the league this season. I, I, but but that's all I've got. That's all I've, that's all I've got. I need to do my research. I need to do my research. I probably need to watch and read a little bit more and listen a little bit more about Girona because I was like, and they've obviously got Gazaniga in goal. I was looking at. I was obviously reading up on them when they started. Like not when they started going in the wrong, but when they started the season quite well. People were like oh Girona this 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 and this. I was like oh this is quite interesting. I didn't think it'd be sustained. Um, they've lost one game all year, and that was to Real Madrid. So I mean, fair enough, right? Yeah, they are a city football-owned group, so you can't scream and cry from the rooftops about how good they are. But um, their squad doesn't look like it's packed with players who are overly expensive. So um, long may it continue, maybe. I don't know. Do we want to see them win the league? Do we want to see them win the league? Maybe you can finally end the, the, the stranglehold the Madrid clubs and Barcelona have on, have on, on La Liga because... I don't know, fresh face at least, fresh face that we can at least speak about, which is good. But yeah, I just want to touch on them ever so, ever so briefly, um, just to like give, give them some representation because they've been doing well, and I feel like they need to be acknowledged somewhat on this podcast. So there you go. So yes, let's move on. And before I speak on the Australian football side of this podcast, I'll just briefly speak on Spurs because I actually missed over them in my run sheet. So I want to speak on them ever so briefly. Um, people don't learn, hey. People just never learn. People people just don't learn. It's really funny. It's hilarious, actually, because everyone's like, oh, yeah, Ange, oh, the bubble's burst, you know, good start to the season, honeymoon phase, etc., etc. But people don't realise. People people don't realise. People just think he's another manager. He's not. He's not. He's not just another manager. He's not just another guy. He's one of the best managers in the Premier League right now. Like... I, I I don't get I don't get people's naivety to him. I don't get people's naivety to what he's been able to accomplish so far in his career. People just think because he hasn't done it in Europe, because he hasn't done it at in the, at the Premier League, he's just some rubbish manager. Yes, he had a little bit of a rough patch, but that's because his squad was obliterated with injuries. He just beat Newcastle, who were a very very good side for one, and battered them off the park. He starts of the season proved that with a fully fit squad, he can do a lot of a lot of damage. I don't, I don't see why people are all of a sudden turning on him and saying that he's a shit manager. Is he stubborn? Yes, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's a bad. It's a bad thing. He knows what he wants. He knows what football he wants to play, and he knows how he thinks he can get the best out of his side, and he keeps doing that. And look, Bob's your uncle. It worked. They won four one, and they battered Newcastle. It's not like they battered Luton or Burnley or Sheffield United. Newcastle are a very good football team, and they passed them off the park and destroyed them. I don't know how you can still be naive. I don't know. 
I don't know. This is the this is the most influential win, and this is the most important win I think of his Spurs career so far, because this is the win that he's finally got after going through that inevitable tough patch. So he's got that win, emphatically so. So now we can finally start to build some confidence. Madison will be back relatively soon. Van de Ven will be back relatively soon, and once he gets into the January transfer window, where he can start to buy some of the players he wants, mate, anything's possible. Anything is possible, but. Because he says, mate, apparently that he's fake and people and it's a facade or some bullshit. I don't know. English English people are weird. English people are so weird. Um, but yes, let's speak on. Let's speak on football. Let's speak on football, shall we? Um, yes, Australian football, I should say. Um, Bruno Fornaroli. Bruno Bruno Fornaroli. Bruno, Bruno for Neroli. Bruno for Neroli. Um, Bruno for, for, emphasis on the four. My guy scored four goals again. <laughs> the first player in A-League history scored four goals in a game twice in one season. Um, I, I don't want to speak about him too much because I spoke about him a lot last week and I've spoken about him so much before. But he has to go. He has to go. Has to go to on the plane, right? He's... He has to go to Qatar. There is no ifs, buts, maybes. He has to go to Qatar. If he does this for the next three weeks, he has to go to Qatar. And I don't want any I don't want any conversations about it. Because he's on form of the best Australian striker that we've got. Will he start? Probably not. And I don't think he should start, because I think the system is built around Duke. And I think you have to start Duke to get the best out of every other player. But off the bench. Half an hour to go, chasing a game, scores a level. We're dominating, but can't. We're dominating, but can't find that final, the final goal. It's Bruno Fornaroli. It's not Jamie McLaren. It's not Adam Taggart. It's it's fucking Bruno Fornaroli. Has to go. Has to go. Arnie, pick up the phone, pick up the fucking phone, and get on and say, hey, my friend, you're coming. And I'm pretty sure he'll be like, yes, boss. But anyways, he's so good. He's so good. Like that header off the free kick, near post, flick on. Come on. Come on. He's, uh, is he the best striker the league has ever seen? I don't know. I don't know. McLaren scored, uh, McLaren has scored 40 more goals in fairness. So, yeah. Like he scored 40 more goals. That's a lot of goals. Like Bruno's not going to catch McLaren. He probably won't catch Bessard either. But, yeah. McLaren, uh, Bruno, yeah. Fuck. I love to see goals and assists because Bruno would have got a lot more assists, I feel. Than the McLaren. McLaren is far more of a poacher, whereas Bruno, at least Bruno, like for Perth as well, a little bit, kind of dropped deep and played as like a ten. He played as a ten for the victory as well. Um, at times, at times when he was in his early in his early period of his victory stint. Um, but yeah, just want to speak on that. Um, I also want to speak briefly on on Macarthur and Macarthur as a club in general. Macarthur as a club in general, because I I've been very critical, right? I've been very critical of Macarthur. Um, of their existence, of their performances on the pitch, of their attendances, etc. Right, but I think if we want football in Australia to grow, if we want, if we want football in Australia to go to grow, if we want, um, if we want kind of the A League to grow in stature and in popularity, we have to give teams a chance and we have to give clubs a chance. Macarthur, like I said, I've been very very critical of their existence. However. They're starting to turn around the performances on the pitch. They're undefeated. They've won four games. They're top of the league. They're playing some good football. They've got some good players. And we're slowly starting to see 
this active support come through with the bullpen. They've moved behind the goals. There was flares on the weekend. They're slowly building this kind of this atmosphere, this community. And I don't want to shut it off. I don't want to disregard it. I don't want to call them a Tim Pot club or whatever. Because at the end of the day, if MacArthur succeed, the A-League succeeds. Right? In the same way that if every club is successful in both on and off the pitch, the league is successful. And at the end of the day, that's the main priority. So I I'm really interested to see what happens with, with MacArthur now. If they can continue this form on the pitch, if that can bring some more people to games, if the if the if the active support can also bring some more people to games as well. I don't I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I'm not gonna sit here and discredit it. I'm not gonna sit here and, and like laugh at it or abuse it. I'm gonna I'll get behind it and I'll be like, okay, keep keep doing what you're doing. Like keep going. Don't don't turn away once your team starts losing. I want more people to be there when the team's losing than when the team's winning because that shows proper support and that shows proper community. So, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to wait and see what happens with that because I saw it on the weekend. I was pretty interested. And I was like, oh, fuck, okay. Something's happening. Something's happening. It's It, it starts small. Of course it starts small. It's not going to be the Northern Terrace overnight. It's going to be the Cove or the RBB overnight. But it starts small and then it builds and then it builds and then it builds. McCarthy make finals. They win a final. They make a grand final. They get the travelling support. I... I you have to back it. You have to back it, right? As much as I don't, as much as I, like I said, have discredited them in the past, you have to back them in. You, you definitely have to back them in. So yeah, there's that. Um, they, they, they won 2 0 on the weekend. They beat Sydney um, quite comfortably. Jermaine with the goal in the last minute, um, and Jake Harmon as well, who's a Jake Harmon's a talented footballer. Um, yeah, re- really talented footballer. Um, Jake Harmon is it? Yeah, Jake Harmon. Um, yeah, really talented footballer. Really, 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 really talented footballer. He's twenty two. Um, another Sydney FC Youth Academy prospect. Fuck, they 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 piss them out, and they also piss them out to other teams who go on and beat them in the future, which is quite funny. Um, so yeah, overall, good good result for Macarthur. Um, West United got fucking pants by by Central Coast. Absolutely pants. That was yeah, that was weird. That was a weird game. They had more possession, but they had half the amount of shots. Um, they probably would have had way more passes as well. Yeah, they had uh, almost they had 150 more passes. Yeah, MacArthur are weird. MacArthur are weird. They're bottom, rock bottom, one win, three goals scored for the whole season. And then one win came against Momentsy in the first game of the season. They've had two lo- they've had two losses so far, 4-0 or above. They haven't kept a clean sheet at any at, at all this season. A lot of issues for John Lewis's team. A lot, a lot of issues for John Lewis's team because I think they are by far the worst team so far in the league. And I had them finishing in the fucking top four. So, what do I know about football? The answer is fucking nothing. Um, <laughs> the answer is nothing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Just an interesting, just an interesting kind of. Just an interesting tidbit, I thought, from the from the weekend. City one two one, which is pretty good, um, for, which which is a good result for them traveling over to Perth. Perth have been unlucky this season, I feel, because they've they've played they've performed well in in a lot of their games. They just haven't been able to get that final piece of the puzzle ticking. Like they've lost their last three games, they've lost by one goal. They lost to Wellington by lost to Wellington two one, um, in which I think they did they miss a pen. Yeah, they missed a pen in the ninetieth minute in that game as well. Um, I think I think they're. They're a little bit. They've been unlucky this season. They've been unlucky because I think the way that they've been playing, some of the players that they've got, like I really like Joe Colley. I think Taggart. How many goals has Taggart scored this season? It's been. It's a couple, isn't it? Yeah, he scored four goals in six games. Kolakovsky, I think, is quite good. Um, I, I I like their team. I really do like their team. But 
yeah, they they obviously missed the penalty as well on the weekend. So I think eventually they'll start to, they'll start to pick up because I, I do like their team. But yeah, they're just my two cents. Obviously, victory one, which is great. Brisbane beat Adelaide, um, and they Brisbane are Brisbane are good as well this season, much to my surprise because I thought they'd be average. But start of the season well, only lost one game so far this season, and that was a really weird game to Wellington um, where it was five two. So. Um, yeah, after a relatively sh- relatively slug-ish start, they've um, won three out of the last four, so good on Brisbane. But yes, that is all, I think, for today's episode. Um, thank you all very much for watching as we do a quick preview of the week. Obviously, Champions League football is back. Um, some pretty good games happening there. Dortmund, PSG, and Newcastle, Villa- and Newcastle Milan. So that Group F it has gone down to the wire. Um, it's... PSG, Newcastle, and Milan all can still qualify. Dortmund are automatically through. Um, Europa League, of course, back. Big Blue on Saturday. I'll be down at Amy Park for sure. That's going to be big. It's going to be huge. Can't wait for that. Um, yeah, genuinely can't wait for that. It's going to be a really, really cracker game. Hopefully good Atmos as well. Um, Chelsea versus Sheffield United, Sheffield United, so can't wait for a 4-0 loss. And if I was to give my final prediction on the United versus Liverpool game, I'm going to go with... 6-0 Liverpool 6-0 Liverpool is my final result is my final margin so there you go um, yes thank you all very much for watching another episode of the 2 Full Tackle Podcast make sure you subscribe um, on YouTube notification bell all that good stuff um, and all the audio platforms as well all the socials 2 Full Tackle Podcast on TikTok, Instagram and Twitter um, yes make sure you yeah, stay well stay safe thank you very much for sticking around if you have see you guys next week and good bye